Welcome to the Raising Parents podcast, support for the journey of parenting. Kids don't come with manuals. Your children look to you, but who do you look to for support? Our goal at Raising Parents is to support you in the important mission of parenting. Our children are constantly growing and every day holds new challenges and opportunities. We believe that transformed parents positively impact their children's lives, and that's why it's critical we as parents keep growing in every way, more and more like Christ. Informed by social science and Christian faith, the Raising Parents podcast is a practical resource to equip and encourage parents. Raising Parents podcast is a ministry of Highland Park Community Church, Casper, Wyoming. My name is Amy Adwell-Palker. I am an associate pastor of family ministry here at Highland Park Church. And today our guest is Jen Rutkowski, mother, chemical engineer, homeschool mom to three very active boys, nature lover, thoughtful Christian, thrifty woman, and she makes a really good waffle. I tried to imitate (laughs) Jen's waffle making skills and it did not end up well. Short story was multitasking knocked over a pan of butter, poured into my stove, and that burner never worked again. So, Jen is awesome. I will respect that, but not try to be her. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thank you for having me, Amy. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Today we are talking about sculpting your summer, having an intentional summer that reflects the values you desire to live out as a family. Now, sometimes we feel like summer is happening to us. I know personally, Mm -hmm. the end of the school year is so busy. Every event and affiliation has a special meeting and summer starts before I'm ready. It is a water slide and I'm the one screaming on it. And so Jen, help us think about both in the ordinary small weeks and then later we'll talk about the big events, the vacations Mm -hmm. and trip planning. How do we have a great summer that's not super overwhelming and where we can just make the most of it for our kids, for our faith, for our minds, for our hearts and our families? Mm. That's, that's a great question. So one, one thing about me is that being a military spouse, I have raised kids in Utah, DC, Kansas, and Los Angeles. And each of those places are pretty unique, but they also, there's some real commonalities between them for the day-to-day living of summer. Uh, A lot of people think that summer has to include lots of like big, exciting things, but the reality is, is that we're going to spend a fair amount of time in our really local communities or within about a five mile radius of us. And I have found that everywhere I've lived within a five mile radius, there's some parks, there's a little bit more or less of nature, depending on if you're living in Casper versus Los Angeles. Uh, and, and there are friends. And so how to do those, the small things well, without it feeling overwhelming for anybody, especially the parent, because that can sometimes mean we end up as the chauffeur or the, or the, like the cruise director. I'm the, the activities director on the cruise ship. (laughs) And Jen, we just talked briefly about how, when we were kids, our parents felt zero pressure to be the cruise ship activity director. They did not have conversations about how to, you know, thoughtfully organize our summers. They were like, here's your bike, go find a friend, come back when it's dark or when you hear me scream for dinner. So culture has shifted, um, both good and bad. And so let's first talk to that stay at home parent 
who has small children, even five mm-hmm. and under. And that parent may look at five days where the other spouse might be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and just want to cry right. because that is a lot right. of waking hours of being needed. So how would you go about as a stay-at-home parent with small children organizing ordinary Monday through Friday? So what I what I did when the boys were little, they're currently uh, 13, 11, and 9, was that and my, my husband worked long hours and when he wasn't working, he was in night school. And so I, I totally get it. I spent a lot of time walking to parks. I, and this was mainly in Utah, DC and Kansas. I would throw the kids into the stroller because the only constraints I had was nap time really. And so it didn't matter if it took me 45 minutes to walk somewhere, what else was I going to do? They were either going to tear up my house and make me crazy, or we could walk to a park or, you know, drive to a slightly more interesting park. And so that, that filled up a lot of my days and I would bring a book. I bet lots of people now just bring their phones, but I, it was, it was a restful I mean, as restful as it can be with, you know, three kids who are under five, but a lot of my summer looked like that. And then like organizing group play dates with like-minded moms so who I, I usually you... collected from parks doing the same thing as I did. So I hear you saying that getting out of your house, either mm-hmm. walking, um, so you're getting your steps in with the stroller or a driving to a park, getting you into nature getting your children yes. to a free and safe place where they could run around and expend some energy was yes. life-giving versus feeling trapped in the house. Then you yeah, pick that up and put that back and you're making a mess and I'm going to have to clean it up. So being in nature, being in parks, I have this mantra. I say that um, when parents and children are together, the parent becomes tired. When children and children are together, the child becomes tired. So our goal is to get children playing yes. with other children so they will actually become tired and they will nap and we can get a little bit of refreshment. So hopefully kids can play with their siblings. They can play with other kids they find at the park. We can invite other people to join us at the park. So parks are free, fun. They are like the filler that can be squished yes. into every empty hole that we don't know what to do with. And I have memories of being at the park at like 6.30 in the morning because my kids woke mm-hmm. up really early. I'm like, get in the bike, we're going to the park, mm-hmm. and just being in nature. There's something that really kind of opens our our mind and our heart and our spirit getting in nature. And you also do a great job of supplying food at the park so that that event can continue. <laughs> One skill I learned from a mom that had three kids was she would like literally bring the loaf of bread and the peanut butter and the jar of jelly to the park and she would make them there. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I have to be awesome before I leave the house. It was like, I will make this while you play. Um, what are some of your food strategies for parks? Oh, bring the food that they won't eat at home. Uh, <laughs> sounds terrible, but you know, it, that's when I bring all of the random vegetables, all the random food, fruits, um, the ends of the bread, uh, we, I did the, the weird crackers that I bought that no one ended up really liking. Um, that's the, because I figured, Hey, if they're hungry enough, that's, they will eat it. 
And they sure did. And I've seen Jen bring a huge bag of blanched green beans that her kids are <laughs> nibbling on like they were potato chips. So we just uh, throw food into a Tupperware or in its, uh, you know, the baby carrots in a bag, like in nature, yes. food becomes more interesting and they get hungry. It does not need to be fancy. Okay. A, so a bag of pretzels and a bag of carrots does all goes a long way. So being in nature, being in parks, what else do we do ordinary home weeks during summer with our children? So there's, there's, so sometimes we're just looking for a little bit of air conditioning that doesn't happen in a Walmart. And <laughs> I think most towns, I know Casper has this, has your kind of small town museums, which you normally probably don't ever think about, but can be a lot of fun. And because you haven't driven far to them, there is so low risk. Casper has a really great fossil the museum, museum, I think by the university. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know if it's free or it really free. cheap, but it's, it's amazing. It's super low key. You can walk around. We had, we went there and there was a docent who was super excited to see children. And so he gave us like an hour guided tour uh, the Casper has that Western trails museum yep. that is also very low key. You can spend an, an hour in there with little kids. And the great thing is, is that it's interesting, but it's also helps. And it's again, really accessible and it helps kind of get your kids trained to how do you spend time in a place where you have to kind of, there are certain behavior expectations, not huge behavior expectations, but some. And so we've managed to find those random one-off museums, like your local, if there's any kind of local indoor nature centers, those are great places for this, this kind of activity. They tend to be pretty fun. They tend to have kids activities. They usually are very cheap. Yes. So. so at the beginning of summer, I tend to get the flyers from, you know, we've got the here in town, the Warner Wild Animal Museum, the Tate Geological Museum, the National Historic Trails Museum. I love this, the summer library program. I'm the biggest mm -hmm. fan of the library. The library is cold. The library has puzzles and activities and crafts and ma magicians and singers. Like I am there sitting there with my yes. children, letting them do these programs. So Filling those programs can just provide a little bit of direction to the day. Like pre-nap, we're going to this, you know, magician at the library. And then, you know, after nap, we might play in the front yard or with a sprinkler. And so museums, libraries, local pools are a great way to fill yes. up that day. Um, Jen, you do something called read aloud with your family. Will you tell us about that? Yes. So thanks to a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival, about three years ago, I really started getting into the benefits of reading aloud to your kids. And so I, and literally I could not read aloud without falling asleep. And so I never, I never read aloud to my children. And so I started very small, uh, I think with Mr. Popper's Penguins or By the Great Horn Spoon or one of those books. And I committed to like five to 10 minutes a day because that was all I could stay awake for. And, you know, my, I, my voice would start to hurt. And so, and my kids loved it. And they were at the time, probably 
like nine, seven, and five. So I picked a, a book that I thought they'd all be interested in. And I said, you can do, you can, we have fun snacks during that time. I try to really kind of play this, make this to be a really fun thing. And, and you can draw, you can build Legos, but you, but you can do stuff with your hands, but you have to be in the room and listening. And it was a huge, huge hit. And so then I started, okay, what are other fun books to read aloud to kids? And so we just built on that momentum and that success. And now I probably read aloud to the kids about an hour a day wow. of, and I, I homeschool. So I have that luxury a bit more. Um, so we do like a, a fun kind of book, uh, poetry, and then some kind of educational book. We're right now reading um, Shakespeare retellings which has been lots of fun. So, and I am uh, more lazy and passive in this category. So we do a lot of <laughs> audiobooks. So that is someone else reading aloud to all of us. Yes. And especially in the car, uh, maybe even just driving up the mountain here is like, you know, 30 minutes. We're getting a chunk. We're getting into the story. Um, around yes. town gets a little hard when it's just five minutes, unless the kids are small and the story is really simple. And especially on road trips, which we're going to talk about more in a little bit. But the books that we have listened to on audio mm -hmm. as a family have shaped our collective imagination. They yes. have given us great discussions about character, about values. They've shaped the kids' vocabulary, the ability to predict what's going to happen in the story. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed them for the pleasure of the books. And I did not love reading on my own as a kid. And experiencing hmm. great children's literature as an adult has been a joy to me. The Newbery yes. award-winning books are a great list to go to. There's other lists online. You can ask a, another parent, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lord of the Rings. These things have shaped our collective imagination. We have great discussions about faith. Uh, my 15 year old is now rereading um, the Lord of the Rings, which he listened to as like a seven-year-old and guessed the ending, which blew my mind. Uh, it has <laughs> been so much fun to share these books with my children. And for many of the books, read them for the, or listen to them for the first time myself. So summer is a great time. Uh, Jen and I are both screen minimalists. There's more screens happening in my family than I appreciate. But whenever we can, getting off the screen and tuning into that audio, sometimes my kids will resist a little bit at the beginning of a road trip. But by the time they're an hour into that story, as soon as the car is on, they're like, turn on the, turn on the book, mm -hmm. turn on the book. And we're laughing and we're connecting and I can connect books with trips. So when yes. I see Joshua Tree, I'm thinking of the secret garden and mm -hmm. yes. And it's such a part of the memory was sharing those books together. So great literature is a great thing to share with our kids in the summer. Now, and I'd like to, sorry, put a plug in. Uh, I think nowadays a lot of us think uh, even listening to books has to take place involving some kind of screen or device like audible, but that's really not the case. I don't have any of that. We literally have the $30 old fashioned CD players and we get all of our audiobooks from the library. Uh, so yes. we're, we're really fortunate that our library has a great interlibrary loan system, but it's amazing how many kids audiobooks are out there like in CDs. And so my children right now in the basement are 
have their CD player and they are listening to a book, probably Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys. My kids listen to all kinds of library books. And my kids like to listen while they work. So if they're folding laundry or they are picking up their room, they have something going into their ear, some kind of input that's stimulating and making the work better. So we talked about the stay-at-home parent, but how about the working parent that's coming home, they're tired, they're hot, maybe they're picking their kid up from daycare or from a grandparent. What can they do in that evening to connect with their children and make the most of summer within the limitations of and challenges of the, yeah. that schedule and that rhythm? I will say one of the best things I started to do at, kind of accidentally as a parent is I go on walk and talks with my kids, especially with my 13 year old. And do you take all the kids or just one? kid? I take one kid at a time. You can take all of them. um, But I, I tend to take one kid at a time. I like to walk when it's not too hot and not too cold. And so in the summer, that is either earlier in the morning or in the evening. And you know, most of us in the evenings, it's like, well, what are we really doing anyways? With Not much time. productive time is going to happen there. We're talking. Right. And, and so my eldest and I, we will go on a 30 minute to an hour long walk and talk just around the neighborhood. And it is such, it is such a valuable time. We end up like, there's been times where we are both just mad at each other and we know we've got this walk and talk coming up. And so we'll start for the first mile and we are still, we are just not saying anything to each other. And then we start to talk about it. And by the end of our three mile walk and talk, we have worked out the conflict. We have, we have built those relational connections and we have strengthened our relationship. We are able to talk about so many hard issues just because it's a non-threatening environment and you're stuck. Like, this, no one can like leave, you know, you can't just go into a different room when you're on a walk and talk. You're, you're stuck with this, but at the same time, it's not intense because you're not facing each other. And that brings up something about gender communication that lots of men or boys prefer a shoulder to shoulder conversation. So while doing something and without eye contact, you're shoulder to shoulder yes. when you're walking, um, that you could have it is that non-threatening environment to express and to connect. And so I love that. I'm inspired by that. We've been doing after dinner family walks. And so Mm. my oldest will dribble his basketball and my little one will ride her new bike and, uh, you know, watch out ankles. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) get hit by this thing. I'm always like, ah, and so we just keep circling that neighborhood and making connections and greeting the neighbor's dog and just these simple rhythms of connection with nature, connection with each other, connection with God. Let's talk for a second about Sabbath. This is a rhythm that occurs in the summer and it occurs all year long. So how can we use Sunday? And it's a day, according to the Ten Commandments, set apart for worship and for rest. How in your family, how is that day different from other days? So my husband is currently in night school. He's, he's been currently in night school for a long time. And he decided that Sundays was the one day a week where he wasn't going to study. And you say hallelujah. Oh, God bless it. And so he will, that's the day he's really available for the family. It's the day he calls his parents. It's the day he will grill. He usually grills or 
fries, chicken wings. Um, so it, it's just a mental downtime for him. We, we try not to commit to anything. Kind of the beauty of living in Utah uh, is, is that it is a, it's a people that is much more committed to some kind of Sabbath. And so like, there's no kids sports, there's a decent amount of the stores are closed. Um, you're not going to find a kid's birthday party. There's, there's much more of a culture of taking, of setting the day apart. Mm. Uh, and, and I found that helpful, but just that Sabbath, everybody needs downtime. Like what didn't in like Bible times, the, the Hebrew slaves got it. uh, Sorry. This like the slaves of like, they got a day of rest yes. the, or the workers for like, they, they got a day the off animals, the servants, yes. everyone got this day. It, so how does, how does Sabbath happen for a parent? Cause sometimes it feels like, okay, we're trying to rest, but you still need me. You need to eat and you want me to play with you. And that feels tiring. How, where does a parent find rest in that day? I, and, and this might sound counterintuitive, but for us, it sometimes looks like more forethought and planning. So trying to schedule like leftovers on Sunday. Yes. Um, Amen. No cooking on the or, weekend. Yes. Or that is the day my husband cooks. Okay. Um, switching up the roles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the day where it's like, kids, just go, go somewhere that's not by me and go play. Like make your own fun, solve your own problem day. Um, It's, it's a lot, I get it. It's a lot harder with little kids, a lot harder. And that often was not very much a day that was particularly restful for me, but also it was usually some of the days where it's like, okay, I'm going to find that splash pad that kind of slightly more fun activity. So I can just sit down and my kids are going to have a slightly greater amount of fun and they hopefully won't bug me as much. Alrighty. So we find those moments, those places. And I also hear that it's like a learned skill over time. So yes. that the kids internalize the rhythm of Sabbath, that this day is going to yes. be a little bit different. One thing we keep coming back to as a family, and we do not do this perfectly, but we keep without judgment, we keep coming back and trying it again. Um, is we have a little family devotion on mm-hmm. Sunday and we have encountered like gargantuan Tyrannosaurus size resistance, but we persist. Um, and it's brief. It's about 20 minutes or less. And I have a teen, a tween and an elementary school. And we read one chapter of scripture. We talk mm-hmm. about it. It's so fun to see my youngest who's learning to read. We take one verse and each person reads a verse around the table. We read one chapter. We talk about it. We love to watch a three-minute Bible project video explaining the whole book, kind of giving Mm -hmm. some context. We sing a hymn. Um, We each pray for one thing, and we close with the Lord's Prayer and the doxology. So that's our little outline. And, oh, and we say the, the, um, the Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we start with. So we have this little rhythm, Apostles' Creed, uh, Bible Project intro video, read the scripture, talk about it. Each person prays for one thing, sing a hymn. Oh, no, that was in the beginning. Uh, Lord's Prayer and Doxology. And so that little, like, mini service 
uh, we try to do it and we don't always get it done, but we go try it again. And it's great when people are over, we invite our guests to join us. And those are the best ones because kids pay attention, but we just keep <laughs> trying putting something in there. If you have small children, um, maybe even watching together what's in the Bible videos, those are really fun. If you're like, I don't know how to do that. Well, watching a what's in the Bible video and talking about it with your kids is a great place to start. So I, we are part of a, a liturgical tradition, uh, Anglicanism, and they, so we do, it's called evening prayer every night. And it's, it's, it's this. It's, I love evening prayer. I listen to it on my phone. It's great. It's, it's, del- it, it's delightful because in part, because you don't have to f- kind of freewheel it. There's, I feel again, like there's, there's all kinds of pressure to, okay, now I need to like say the right prayer. I need to find a passage from the Bible. I need to come up with all of this on my own. And the helpful thing with evening prayer is that it, it has it for you. It has, um, it goes through the Bible every year or two years, depending on the speed that you do it. Um, and it has different prayers. It has the apostles creed. It has the prayer of St. John Chrysostom. It has, and, and it also has a real short version and like the 20, 25, 30 minute version. Um, and so that's so just that, something that could be found online and read yes. out loud and kids yes. could take turns reading parts of it. There's short scripture sections mm-hmm. from gospels, old Testament Psalms and yep. written prayers. And it's something you can build up to. It is, we had to build up to it. This was not part of our rhythm. And it's so funny. It's on audio. So I listen to it. Can you tell I like to listen to things? So it's a beautiful, (laughs) peaceful thing to listen to as a family Mm -hmm. or as an individual before bed. Okay, we've got a few more minutes here. We are going to talk about the big, exciting things of summer that kind of shape (laughs) our summer. Maybe a road trip, maybe a family vacation. And Jen, you have a concept called cost per wow. Can you explain that to us? Yes. So I got this from sort of the lady who was a frugal blogger before there were blogs. Uh, Her name is Amy Decision from the Tightwad Gazette. And so cost per wow is just a a more mathematical way to think about bang for your buck. So, uh, for instance, for some people, a day trip to Disneyland would be, say, 10 out of 10 wows, where... Um, a day spent at school is say a one out of 10 wows. So that's kind of your scale. If that's your thing, uh, let's say a camping trip to a state park with a river in it is five out of 10 wows for you. Uh, so here's where the calculations come in for my family for a day at Disney all in would probably cost about $800. So that means that, um, so at 10 wows, that means that Disney for one day costs $80 a wow. Okay. So now say a camping trip is about $50 a day and at five wows, that's only 10 bucks a wow. Now where this really starts paying off is when your family is calibrated to take pleasure in the small, in the simpler things. So what if for your kids, that same camping trip is closer to say eight wows. So now your cost per wow is only $6. So this is just a really helpful way for me to think about how much enjoyment are we really getting out of the money that we spend? And how can I also train my kids 
to be happy with things that aren't as fancy. Um, so we live 45 minutes away from an absolutely epic splash pad that my kids can spend six hours at and come home happy. Um, it's about six wows and it costs $6 in gas to get there, but everything else is free. So that means that we can take our kids there for a buck a wow. I want that splash pad to be much more of a highlight of the summer than me spending a fortune at a local amusement park that once you factor in the lines and the heat and kind of some of the misery bits really averages out to the same amount of fun. Alrighty. So what I hear you saying is some of these big ticket items, they cost so much per wow. We could maybe have a little less wow, but so much less money that we could actually have more wow in our summer for less money. So we need to break apart this idea that more money equals more fun. And we need to find yes. what's fun for our children and what's accessible for our budget. Yes. As the other thing, and this isn't just about being cheap. Um, I find for myself that the more money I spend on something for my kids, the more gratitude I expect them to express. And this really sets them up for failure because our gratitude just is not proportional to financial outlay. In fact, for us, it's often the case that spending more money on something makes my kids and myself less grateful. It's as though we're taking for granted a privilege and thinking it's a necessity. So, so I, I also, so this helps untether that, that, almost frenetic expectation myself of like, they need to like start, you know, bowing down to me and telling me how, what an amazing person I am because I spent extra money on them. Mm. So we experience this sometimes as a family when we go out to eat and we don't do that a lot because we're a family of five and it's crazy expensive. Yes. And it's like these bad attitudes are coming out of nowhere and they want this and they want that. And I'm like, we can't handle going out to eat. <laughs> How much better to be at home, spend a fifth of this, and then be able to invite someone to join us. Yeah. So I think of a moment where I learned um, we were on a road trip with our family, and there are five of us. And the things that I wanted to do were going to cost over $100 every day. And these were simple things. <laughs> the Science Museum in right. San Francisco, over $100 for our family to go. The Monterey Bay Aquarium, over $100 for our family to go. And we did not have the money on this trip to spend over $100 every day on the activity in addition to where we were staying or camping and right. even making a lot of our own food. It just wasn't possible. And so that was hard because those were educational and great things and I wanted to do them. But there was a, a day that shifted for me where we were in Monterey and we went to the aquarium and we looked at that cost like $30 a person to get into this aquarium. And then you want to be like, stare at that fish kid. Like, love it. Love it right now. And no napping, Like, get every, get the fish in your blood, you know? And so instead of going to the aquarium, which would have been fabulous, but we couldn't afford it. We went to a park on the beach. That was amazing. And we saw half of the animals in their context in, yes. we saw, you know, otters and sea lions and seals and seagulls and squirrels and played frisbee and we had this amazing connection just down the street 
from the aquarium. Yes. And so I learned there's always another way to do things. Museums have free days. We can plan ahead. We go to a new town and we're like, which one is the free museum? That's the one we're mm-hmm. going to. And so yeah. my husband just took uh, my daughter, Abby, she loves nature, to uh, the Black Hills. And there was a thousand oh, things fun. that cost a thousand wows that you could do all day that were really expensive. And so, you know, they went to Reptile Gardens. That's the first time they went. They had a great time. But then they also went hiking and they also mm-hmm. walked around the downtown for like six hours and they went back to a toy store three times and then they shared like one treat for food. And so mm-hmm. there's a way that we can separate um, money and fun and figure out, you know, cost per wow. How can we have a lot of wows but not go into debt? Yeah. And I will say, so we go on road trip. Well, let me rephrase that. I take my kids on road trips to family reunions and my husband then flies to them because he doesn't have the extra time to do all the driving that I do. And those, and, and in exchange, he takes the kids on long camping trips when he does have the availability. And though, so this some in, in a week from now, I have to drive from Utah to Michigan and back for a family reunion. And we are so looking forward to this, the boys and I, we, I just reserved all of the audiobooks from the library. I'm picking them up after this podcast. Uh, we, we have the friends we have, we're staying with friends. When I did a different long road trip two years ago, we did camping at the Grand Canyon and Dinosaur National Monument and other places. And those are the highlights for us. And in fact, I think of the road trips where things kind of got slightly hairy and that's where the most memories were made. My my husband took the kids camping somewhere and like, I don't know, a tire blew out and they got stranded on the side of the road. And that remains one of the most, they had a, they were camping in a blizzard, a freak blizzard. Those remain some of the special family memories that they still talk about. Um, so I know that this road trip is going to provide those memories. We are going to remember that as we were driving through Nebraska, we were listening to the Witch of Blackbird Pond. And it, it's, those times are, feel simple, but they end up being really valuable. So as we put ourselves in, in close proximity with our family in a car, <laughs> whether it's one parent or both parents, and we put ourselves in nature, we experience some hardships of rain or weather <laughs> or cooking our, our dinner in the hotel room or, <laughs> or fighting <laughs> or fighting, right? It's very real. The memories are being made. Jen, as we were talking, you said you don't really remember a plane flight unless someone vomits. Um, yes. A resort doesn't do a lot for our children's soul. It's kind of like a dinner at a wedding where everyone's like, is this good? Does this actually taste good? When we don't, we don't give anything and we don't pay for it. (laughs) We don't appreciate it. And so summer is a great time for camping, for nature, for road trips. For our family, we like to engage in service as well. We've served at Mm -hmm. orphanages in Mexico and in inner cities and just showing our kids You know, there's a lot of different ways that people live in the world. I don't have to take you to the best resort and spend a thousand dollars on you um, for us to connect. 
And so we laughed. We went to a terrible hotel in Billings. It was like the worst ever. <laughs> People had like dogs in the room and were cussing uh. and living there. And it was just terrible. But we laugh about it all the time. And so these are the memories, parents. We are yes. doing it. It is tiring and it is exhausting. But the Google Photos will come back and show us that none of it was wasted. I have this yes. image in my head of a camping trip that my husband took my son on when he was about five years old. And so it was hard to see the sunset in Los Angeles. But on this camping trip at the beach, my son watched the sun disappear behind the horizon for the first time. And then my son made himself really, really small, like a ball, and he disappeared behind the top of the table, imitating what he had just seen. And then he looked at my husband and said, do it again, dad. He wanted the sun to go down again. And so he just had this experience of nature and his development. And so all these gifts are around us and they're going to be imperfect and hot and sticky and we're going to need band-aids and we're going to have bruised knees and we're going to be like worn out. But mm -hmm. those pictures just may pop up on Google Photos and say five years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, and we're going to think what a gift that was. That was exhausting yeah. and hot and tiring but we were able to live our values of God and faith and family. When we go on our road trips, we stay with friends and extended family as much as we can to help the budget. Mm -hmm. But we're building relationships with great aunts and great yes. uncles. Our kids are learning to talk to adults and we're seeing the world, seeing nature. And so, so many good gifts that God has given us this summer and each summer. Yes. Jen, will you pray for parents as they hear this, um, that they could know that they can make connection happen in easy, simple ways in their lives with their kids and with others. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in a family. And I pray God, as we navigate parenting with no instruction manual, that you will give us grace and courage on this journey to, to live intentionally and to live out our values. And God, I pray that as people listen to this podcast, this feels life-giving and not overwhelming, that, that people hear, oh, these are things that, that I can really do and that will be meaningful and that will be accessible. And God, please bless uh, this conversation that Amy and I had and bless the people who listen to it. In your name, amen. Amen. I'd like to close today with the words of a hymn called For the Beauty of the Earth. It goes like this. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies, for the wonder of each hour, of the day and of the night, hill and vale and tree and flower, sun and moon and stars of light, for the joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above for all gentle thoughts and mild. Lord of all, to you we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. Mm. We ask God's blessing on you, our listener, as you engage your summer with your unique families, with your strengths, with your limitations, that Christ would be with you and that you would make memories that last a lifetime. May God bless you.